morning's scripture reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If using the Pew Bible, it's on page 996. As we read God's inerrant word of God, where we find our final authority. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray once more. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. And now we pray that as this word is preached, that your spirit will accompany the word, your spirit will prepare our hearts, that we might receive what you seek to say to us, what you seek to do within our hearts, shaping and molding us more into the image of your Son. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, for those of you who are new, you should know that we have been in a sermon series this fall that has focused on our church's vision. We had uh, passed a new vision statement last year, and that helps us now to be able to describe the kind of church that we aim to be. And one of those emphases in that vision statement is to become an equipping church, a church that intentionally equips its own members for the work of ministry. And one of the ways to do that, one of the ways that we've been dreaming about and praying about is to establish within our church a Christian counseling ministry. Our vision is to develop in the near future a ministry that provides biblical counseling services, first to our members, but eventually, Lord willing, opening it up to the community around us. And this kind of counseling would be provided by well-trained and possibly certified counselors coming from among our own members, lay counselors, as you could put it, The plan is to equip and mobilize a team of lay counselors trained to offer counseling. Now, that could be for young couples needing premarital counseling. That could be for couples who are dealing with troubled marriages. Uh, It could be for individuals who are feeling enslaved to destructive patterns of thinking or behavior. It could be for various reasons. We hope that this future ministry will bring wholeness and healing for believers among us and even for non-believers around us if they're open to receiving Christian counseling. Now, you might be thinking as you hear that, wow, that's amazing. That's, that's great. I, I really hope they find enough lay counselors from among our members because there's no way that's going to include me. I, I, have, I would have no idea what to do. I wouldn't know how to approach counseling someone. That might be what you're thinking. And I I get it. I get it. Counseling does sound, for many of us, like this foreign thing. It sounds like a very specialized skill that you're just unfamiliar with. That's what probably some of you are thinking. But I would disagree. When it comes to the kind of counseling that we envision, I think you are much more familiar with it than you give yourself credit for. I assume most of you actually know how to approach this kind of counseling. Not because I assume you've received some kind of formal training, but because 
you have been sitting under the kind of preaching that we do here at HCC. You have been sitting under expository preaching week after week, and that, my friends, has gone a long way already in preparing you to be involved in what you might want to call expository counseling. This morning, I have three things that I want to accomplish in this message. First, I want to explain this concept of what we're going to call expository counseling. Second, I want to show you the theological convictions undergirding this kind of counseling. And third, I want to consider the unique characteristics of expository counseling. So let's start with first defining terms. Let's explain what do we mean exactly by calling it expository counseling. And as I said, it's intimately tied to the concept of expository preaching. Now, if you've been here long enough, you know that preaching is valued here in this church. You know that we believe that God is a speaking God. That long ago, at many times and in many ways, he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And this revelation of God the Son, the truth that he taught and the truth that he lived in his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, this truth, this revelation has been now preserved for us, preserved for the church in Holy Scripture, which is why in our day we believe that God still speaks even today whenever his word is rightly preached. That's why, that's why we place a priority on gathering for corporate worship every Lord's Day to sit under the right preaching of God's word. Because ultimately, we want to hear from God. Isn't that what you want? You come here this morning not to hear from, from a preacher. Ultimately, you want to hear from God. Because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God mediated through the faithful preaching of Scripture by a faithful preacher of God. That's why our church prioritizes word-centered expository preaching. Now, in case you're not familiar with that particular term, expository preaching is simply an approach to preaching where the preacher relies on the main thrust of the text he's preaching to shape and to guide the sermon. So instead of just approaching the Bible already with something that I, I know I want to say, and now I'm just seeking to support it by, by finding a few verses to back it up, the expositional preacher will approach the text looking for the main idea to preach that's based on the main idea of that particular text. And the advantage of that kind of preaching is that you mitigate the potential of misinterpreting and misapplying a text out of its context you mitigate the chances of just simply cherry-picking verses to back up your own ideas. It also, this way of preaching, also clears the way for the bare word of God to simply speak to the listeners. Because, of course, as we said, the goal in the end is not to proclaim the thoughts of man, but ultimately the words of God. Now, ironically... <laughs> We're not exactly preaching expository messages in this series. This sermon today is not purely an expository message. And as I explained in our first message in this series, yes, there are going to be times where we will preach a more thematic or topical sermon. But 
if, you be here, if you're with us long enough, you know that the default steady diet of this pulpit is going to be expository. And the longer you worship with us, the more obvious it's going to be. And I think it's because of that. I think it's because of your exposure, your long exposure to expository preaching, many of you are already familiar with what we're calling expository counseling. It's not as unfamiliar of a concept as you might think. Now, granted, there are different approaches to Christian counseling that different, uh, different churches are going to take, and there are going to be pros and cons to those various approaches. The approach that we're going with in this vision of ours is what's commonly known as biblical counseling. This approach made the most sense to us because of its particular continuity with our pulpit ministry, with expository preaching. Essentially, what we're trying to do is we are trying to take the same theological convictions and the same ministry practices found in the preacher's pulpit, and we want to carry it on over to the counselor's chair. That's the continuity we want to maintain in this vision. So that would mean that the same word-centeredness that you have come to expect out of our preaching should be characteristic out of our counseling. You should expect the same carefulness in handling the word of God that from your counselor as I'm sure you expect from your preacher. Not falling into the common error of just you know, cherry-picking verses, just taking scripture out of context just to make a point. You don't want me to do that. I'm sure you don't want your counselor doing it either. Now, in this approach to counseling, hear me, we are not completely ruling out the use of any insights from modern psychology, but our approach will be cautious. Cautious because modern psychology is not a purely objective and empirical science. It is heavily theory-laden. It rests on philosophical assumptions about human nature. Psychology tends to locate the, the, the root of all of our various problems that we face in something other than sin. So we have to be cautious. As Christians, approaching counseling with this expository mindset, that means we will let Scripture have the final word, and we will allow Scripture to critique any wisdom that we might glean from the world. That's what you, ex you would expect any faithful preacher to do. Like if I just stood here in this pulpit, and if I was to have a sermon where I'm expounding on the insights that I glean from from various sociologists and psychologists about the dangers of social media, the dangers of, of social media use, especially among teens these days. You know, there's plenty of articles that I can pull from. There's books written about that by now. And if I just, you know, shared those insights from the world and I just sprinkled in a few Bible verses to back up my point, you might walk away still feeling helped. You might walk away with some good ideas of how you want to handle social media yourself or how you want to parent your children. But as a sermon, I'm sure most of you would walk away feeling like, like something was off there. Like it sounded more like a, a lecture that maybe, you know, in one of our mental health seminars, that would have been more appropriate in that setting. Or maybe a Sunday school lesson on, on parenting. Maybe that's a better place for that. When you're listening to a sermon here in our corporate worship, because of your long exposure to expository preaching, you have been trained to expect Scripture to be the primary source of thought, the primary source of insight. So if 
this preacher references any kind of secular sources of wisdom, you would expect that preacher is only going to do that in order to, to support or to illustrate the text of Scripture. That's, that's the approach you would expect from the pulpit. So you have that intuitive sense when it comes to preaching. We just want you to have that same intuitive sense and expectation when it comes to Christian counseling. Because of our churches, because our church's counseling ministry will be an extension of this pulpit ministry. That's the vision. That's, what we're, that's why we're calling it expository counseling. In continuity with expository preaching, we want to offer people expository counseling, the kind that places a priority on Scripture to guide and to shape the counseling. The reason we want to be so word-centered, of course, though, is because, because of the fact that expository preaching and expository counseling actually share the same theological convictions. So let's consider that. Let's consider the convictions of expository counseling. There are two that I want to point out in particular. First, it's the conviction that God's word is authoritative. And second, that God's word is sufficient. Sufficient both to save you and to sanctify you. And both of these texts are drawn from our text that we read this morning. From 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. So let me just give you some background to this particular text. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to his disciple Timothy, who's pastoring a church in the city of Ephesus. And Timothy, as we learn, uh, is facing many oppositions from false teachers who are challenging the gospel that Paul has passed on down to the Ephesians. So Paul is, throughout this letter, telling Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Follow the pattern of sound words that you heard from me. Guard those gospel doctrines. Endure suffering even if you have to. Rightly handle the word of truth. Those are all exhortations that he gives throughout this letter. And now at the start of chapter 4, right, right after our text, in the start of chapter 4, in verse 2, he's going to tell Timothy, Timothy to just preach the word. Timothy, just preach the word of God. And why is that so? Why is Paul exhorting Timothy to be so word-centered, to give such priority to preaching and teaching? He tells us exactly why in our passage. In chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, it's because of Scripture's inherent authority and sufficiency. So look with me at verse 16. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, I know in some older English translations that you, you might be using in front of you, it might say that all Scripture is inspired by God or given by inspiration of God. So you, you might have heard that word before. You might have heard of the inspiration of Scripture, the doctrine of inspiration. That's this idea that Scripture is essentially breathed out by God. I mean, that is what verse 16 literally says, to be God-breathed. Paul is saying that all Scripture originates from the breath or from the mouth of God. So just picture that image he's painting for us. When God speaks, when he exhales his breath, what comes out? What should you expect when God breathes out? Scripture. 
He breathes out Scripture. So that means if you want to hear God's voice, and how many times have you just wished you could just hear God's voice, that he could just speak to you, if you want to hear him saying something to you, then listen to Scripture. Scripture is his voice. Scripture is his breath. He's speaking to us in the Scriptures. Now, Granted, in verse 16, the Apostle Paul is not fleshing out for us a full theory of inspiration. He's not fully um, spelling out exactly how Scripture came to be. He's only actually addressing God's contribution to the formation of Scripture. The human component, the, 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 the contribution of biblical authors is not even mentioned here. For that, you're going to have to turn to another text. You can go to a text like 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Let me read 2 Peter 1, 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As they were carried along by the Spirit of God. So, the, so Peter, just like Paul, is affirming that all Scripture ultimately originates not in the will of man, but in the will of God. And it was communicated through his breath Two particular human authors who were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they recorded God-inspired words in the pages of Scripture. Theologians describe this as the dual authorship of Scripture. There are two authors here. On one hand, you have the biblical authors who are consciously engaged in the writing process of, of that letter or, or of that gospel, uh, and they were incorporating their own unique writing styles and, and unique personalities. And, and, and you can tell a difference between one of Paul's letters versus Peter's because of that unique contribution from the biblical author. But ultimately, though, the Spirit of God was superintending the entire process so that every word recorded in Scripture is the word that God intended to record. And every meaning intended by the human author, God intended to mean. No other book. No other source of revelation, no other authority is breathed out by God. Now, why is that so important? Why am I belaboring this point? What's the implication? Well, if we believe that Scripture alone is breathed out by God in this unique way, then Scripture alone must be our highest authority. That's the call of the Reformation. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone is our highest and final authority. Now, that doesn't mean, just because you believe in sola scriptura, it does not mean you're just going to flat out dismiss all other authorities. So, again, when it comes to expository biblical counseling, that doesn't mean we have to outright reject all insights of modern psychology. It doesn't mean that we have to deny the physiological dimensions of illnesses like schizophrenia or bipolar depression. Biblical counseling, I hope you hear this, biblical counseling is not anti-medication. But it does caution us not to put our hope in medicine. As Christians, we recognize that humans have a body and a soul. And so we can't fall into this reductionism that treats all, all psychological problems as simply chemically based and resolvable by medication. Medical treatments can stabilize you. Medical treatments can be helpful to bring you to a state of mind where you can now better receive biblical counseling. 
Medicine might be able to decrease the intensity of your anxiety or, or of your depression, but it can't provide you what you're actually looking for when you go seek a counselor. It can't provide you hope. It can't provide you significance or purpose for those things. You have to go to the Word of God. You have to go to the Bible. Now, I, I want to be clear here. Again, we should be willing to learn from the insights of various disciplines. We're not saying Scripture is our only source of knowledge. Our motto is not solo scriptura. It's sola scriptura. So we are willing to acknowledge there are other authorities out there, and they do have insight. We can learn from them. But if we believe in sola scriptura, that Scripture alone is our highest and final, final authority, then Scripture has the right to either confirm or to critique other authorities. So that's why in our approach to counseling, we're going to take a cautious and sometimes critical stance towards psychological findings in psychiatric treatments. And we're going to prioritize the Bible in our counseling methodology because really of that second theological conviction that I want to talk about, namely the sufficiency of Scripture. So look back at our text. Let me just read verses 16 to 17 again. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be, listen, complete, equipped for every good work. And notice it says complete. It doesn't say that Scripture is profitable so that the man of God might sort of have everything he's going to need for every good work, that he might be partially equipped, and he just needs to rely on just a few additional sources of knowledge, and then he's fully equipped. Now, the whole point is that Scripture is enough. Scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient to save you, according to verse 15, right before this. Look at the last part of verse 15. Paul says that the sacred writings, that is Scripture, is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, Scripture alone is sufficient to present you with knowledge about Christ Jesus that can save you if it's coupled with faith in Christ Jesus. So not just knowing about Christ Jesus and all that he did, but you have to have faith in Christ Jesus. So what this, this now means for Christian counseling is that no matter what the presenting issue is that, 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 that leads someone to seek out counseling, we're going to approach all forms of human brokenness as ultimately a problem of worship. A problem of worshiping the wrong things. Because scripture says that we were all created to worship God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our strength, with everything. We were created to be worshipers of God. So whenever we misorder our worship by now worshiping and idolizing created things, the result is going to be disintegration. Our lives are going to fall apart. We're going to experience the negative effect to our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, things will begin to fall apart, all because we have misordered our worship. And the solution to this problem, the wise counsel that we need, is not to be told that you need to love yourself more or that you need to learn to forgive yourself. The counsel that we ultimately need is to be told that God can forgive you. 
that God can lead you to repentance, to reorder your worship and to set your heart on him alone, on Christ alone. What you need most of all, of course, is salvation. The good news that Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, yes, it is sufficient to save you, even you. And the Bible is sufficient to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And that, my friends, is the message that has to be central to the counsel that we want to offer to hurting people whose lives are just falling apart. We ultimately want to show them Christ. We want to show them Jesus. But just as scripture is sufficient to save the lost, our text emphasizes that it's also sufficient to sanctify the saved. Paul says it's profitable for training us in righteousness. That is to help us to grow up spiritually, to conform us more and more into the righteousness of Christ. That's what sanctification is all about. If God's word is that sufficient, then why in a counseling setting would we not first turn to Scripture and to spend significant time studying passages of Scripture together? If Scripture, as this text says, is that profitable, if it's that sufficient to teach us and to reprove us, to train us and to correct us, then what else do we need? It's offering everything we need. That's exactly what you're looking for in a healthy counseling situation. You don't want in a counseling situation, just pure affirmation and encouragement. And at the same time, you don't want just constant criticism and correction. But do you see here, through Scripture, you get that perfect balance of both. You get teaching and correction. Scripture has it all for us. So that's why expository counseling, if you experience it, you're going to experience a heavy dose of studying Scripture together. Because when hurting needy, pe needy people are guided along in reading go a God-breathed book, something powerful begins to happen. You begin to experience something that you're not going to experience in just reading a normal book. You see, when, when you're reading a normal book, you're reading it for information. You read it. You interpret it. But the scriptures are unique. It's the living word of God. You not only read and interpret Scripture, Scripture reads and interprets you. The Bible doesn't just tell you about sin. It exposes your sin. It doesn't just teach you the right thing to worship or the right way to live. It convicts you in all the ways you've misordered your worship and messed up your life. But at the same time, Scripture doesn't just tell you stories about this man named Jesus. No, it personally introduces you to Jesus and invites you to lay down your feet at the at the lay down your life at the feet of the one who laid down his life on the cross for you. Scripture reveals a loving Savior who can save even you. No other book does this. No other book reads you and interprets you like Scripture. That's why the reading of, and studying of God's Word is such an important feature in the kind of counseling that we hope to provide as a church. So let me just quickly wrap up by highlighting just a few characteristics of expository counseling. In order to give you a better idea of what you can expect when down the road, Lord willing, our counseling ministry is up and running. Like I've been saying, 
the more you're actually more familiar with what that's going to look like than you might expect. But perhaps what you're picturing in your mind's eye right now is you laying down on this long couch, you know, with a fern next to you, and you know the counselor is kind of like sitting in a chair behind you with a notepad, just you know, you know, jotting down notes as as you're just opening up and telling your life story. That might be what's familiar to you. That's what you're kind of picturing. But that's not typical of expository biblical counseling. Instead, picture with me a room with a desk and with two chairs. And picture two open Bibles with two people working through pages of Scripture, letting the Word read and interpret them, letting the Word ask penetrating questions of them in their heart. In other words, friends, picture with me the familiar scene of a Bible study, but with only two people. And in this session of expository counseling, you can expect a counselor to not just quote a few verses tied to a bunch of advice that they're going to give you, but to walk you through whole passages of Scripture. The biblical counselor will help you apply Scripture within its own context, just like any good preacher. And like a good preacher, The expository counselor won't just send you away with good advice on how you can change your outlook or how you can just change your own behavior. No, the good counselor will take the law of God that's found in that passage you're studying and will use it to prick your conscience. And then take the promises of God in that same passage and apply them to your heart motives. And then take the grace of God in that same text, tie it to the gospel of God, and then use it to encourage your soul to trust in Christ, to worship Christ, and to follow Christ in obedience. That's what I hope you see take place in this pulpit whenever we preach expository sermons. And that is what I hope to see take place in the future future counseling center that we hope to construct in this upcoming building project that you're going to be hearing about right after service. We hope that that type of ministry will begin to take place here at HCC. So church, I hope you see why we're going with expository biblical counseling as our approach to counseling ministry. It does feel the most familiar to us. And so hopefully what that's going to do is that it's going to make you more likely to avail yourself of this kind of ministry, to avail yourself of biblical counseling. Because by then, when we start doing this, it won't seem as foreign. It won't seem as shameful because it will feel so familiar because you sit under expository preaching week after week. And I also hope that this will inspire some of you to want to actually pursue training in biblical counseling. And perhaps you would be willing to serve down the road on that lay counseling team that we envision, blessing others with sound expository counseling You know, we're actually thinking about setting aside some funds next year to help financially subsidize the costs for those who do feel called to pursue that particular kind of training. And if if you're feeling that, if you're being inspired right now, please come talk to me. Come talk to me after this. Come talk to Elder John Shea after this. Um, And we will love to talk to you more about how you can get trained and you perhaps one day can join us on a lay counseling team. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for the vision that you've given us as a church. Thank you for the vision you've given us all these many years 
of the kind of preaching we want to do in this church, expository preaching, and now how it's tied so closely and intimately to the kind of counseling we want to offer in a formal way. And so I pray, Lord, that you, you would inspire us. You would, you would make this happen, that you would use this kind of ministry to be a personal blessing for each of us and our families, but also for our church as a whole and the community around us. May we come away more healthy in all aspects of our lives through seeking your word, through expository counseling. We pray all this in Jesus' name.